The long unbeaten run is over, but football was regrettably second after some pretty shocking scenes. At the Hawthorns yesterday, we'll discuss the dramatic scenes from the derby, Albion's new signing and the end of the trance window in this week's Baggies broadcast. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Baggies broadcast sponsored by the Kettle and Toaster Man. My name is Johnny Drury and as always, I'm alongside Albion correspondent Mr Lewis Cox for this post-Black Country Derby podcast where really we should be talking about the performance on the pitch and the fight that Albion put up against a pretty decent Premier League side um, in the first derby for what was 12 years in front of supporters. But unfortunately, the conversation is probably going to be a little bit different to start with today um, following all the scenes that we witnessed on Sunday afternoon. Coxie, how are you, mate? Just reflecting on a pretty surreal day yesterday. <clears throat> Yeah, quiet weekend day, Johnny. Um, Fine, yeah, just a bit, I was going to say the calm after the storm then, but it's not really that, is it? It's just, um, yeah, sort of went to bed last night, woke up this morning, still trying to not process what we saw, really, just going over it, thinking over it, and it's, um, yeah, reading a few things this morning. Just remains what I I thought I saw yesterday, really, just um, a sad sight and a sad... Sad day, really. Sad outcome. Um, I'm not talking about on the pitch yet, although that was a sad outcome as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, just, just, uh, just not good, was it? Let's be honest. No, it wasn't good at all. We've got obviously we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about what we uh, what we saw yesterday and just read out a few of the details. Obviously, some some details coming out this morning and some details still a bit a bit hazy. But obviously, there's a lot of accounts out there and and an investigation between. The FA Albion and West Midlands Police is, is underway at the moment, but we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. We're also going to talk about Albion's new man, Loney Callum Marshall, who came in last week on loan from West Ham for the remainder of the season. Um, we'll look ahead to another derby next week. Birmingham um, comes to the Hawthorns. Tony Mowbray comes back to the Hawthorns again, this time with Birmingham City. We're going to talk about the end of the transfer window and any potential uh, movement in and out we might see from Albion um, and we've got plenty of your questions to answer as well but we're going to start as we've already referenced a couple of times with those ugly scenes at the at the Hawthorns yesterday after the second Wolves goal where uh, play was stopped for I think about 37-38 minutes um, due to due to crowd trouble. Um, now we've had statements this morning, uh, we're recording this on Monday morning, we've had statements from um, the police um, who confirmed that six people have been arrested in connection with the trouble at the Hawthorns. Um, and they vowed to make further arrests as well. Um, fight interrupted um, in the uh, sort of Halfords Lane, Birmingham Road corner. Um, but there was also trouble in the Millennium corner um, where the East Stand meets the, the Smedic end, where the Wolves players were. Um, we saw a lot of missiles being thrown. I think that's why the game was going on um, in that far corner. But four West Brom fans have been arrested. Two Wolves fans were arrested and they've since been bailed while investigations continue. Um, and they've released a list of, of sort of why people were arrested. A 16-year-old held on suspicion of an offensive weapon. That was before the game. Uh, it was in a pub, actually, before the game. Um, other arrests made. A 20, 29-year-old man arrested um, on suspicion of a fray. Um, 24-year-old man on suspicion of violent order for pushing towards police officers. 33-year-old man arrested for violent disorder, as well as um, allegedly assaulting police officers. Um, and another man, uh, sorry, another man was arrested Um, on suspicion of a public order offence for picking up the corner flag and brandishing it as a weapon, um, while a 58-year-old man was arrested on suspicion of assaulting a police officer by throwing punches 
at officers. I'm just going to read out a little bit of the statement from the Chief Inspector Tim Robinson, um, who is the head of the forces um, football department. He said, what we saw yesterday was completely unacceptable violence directed at both fans and officers, which sadly led to the suspension of the game. No football fan wants to see that. It's important to stress, however, that it is very much a minority of fans involved in the trouble and the vast majority of supporters were a credit to their clubs. Um, and he's gone on to, to add that a number of officers have been injured and we have already started pro the process of reviewing evidence, including bodyboard and CCTV footage. Um, to ensure that we identify and arrest all of those involved over, involved over the coming days and weeks. Um, and like the Albion statement um, said yesterday, it talked about potential bans. Um, and the the head of the forces also said those involved in disorder can expect to receive club bans and wider football banning orders as well. Um, and there's a little bit of information under there about um, I think four people were, were treated by ambulance staff. One was taken to hospital. Um, Coxie, that sort of sums up what we know at the moment um but like you said then i was i got home last night and i was i was pretty i couldn't believe what i'd actually seen to be perfectly honest yeah. now i know i've had a few people coming at me on on social media for condemning it and you know we will see people saying oh this is what derby derby's all about but it's not i'm afraid you, you don't want to see these scenes now, what the, the police officer referenced there in his statement was that it was a minority. And in general, it was a minority. Um, the majority of fans were well behaved. But whatever's happened, you know, we've heard reports of it, it was Wolves fans in the Albion end, um, which sparked it all. But that that's unacceptable for those fans to be sitting where they were. And, and, and whatever has happened there, you know, sounds pretty unacceptable. However, it doesn't justify what happened. It doesn't justify fans running across the pitch to get to that corner of the ground. Now, all this will come out in the wash in the investigations that are taking place. Um, and it doesn't justify what we saw on the other end of the ground either in the in the corner of, of the East Stand. And it's just really sad. It's a blight. I, I, I'm loath to say, you know, it's sort of, it makes you ashamed to be associated with Albion because the majority of everyone was, were absolutely fine, really well behaved. Um, but I just, I can't, I don't think anyone could justify what happened yesterday. And I hope it all comes out. I hope those involved are rightly punished, whatever the punishments will be. But on the other side of it as well, Albion will now face a punishment themselves for what has happened. And there's blame on a number of parties. I know we've seen social media, Wolves fans blaming Albion fans, Albion fans blaming Wolves fans. It'll all come out, but there's a lot of people to blame for this. But you can't justify what happened yesterday. I just can't. I can't fathom how people can try and justify what happened yesterday. No. Derbies are ferocious. This one hasn't happened for a long time. I get that, but those scenes were unacceptable, and it's just sad from an Albion point of view, and sad for the the you know whatever it is, ninety nine point nine percent of Albion fans and Wolves fans who were well behaved yesterday. You know, and it takes a, yeah, it no, takes the shine off. You know. What was a, was a clinical display from Wolves, but Albion played pretty well and went toe to toe with Wolves. But that's secondary, and it's just it's just frustrating and sad to see, you know, Albion hitting the headlines this morning. You know, I listen to Talk Sport every morning, and it's dominated by by all the talk of this and uh, and and all this, you know Sky Sports News and all the other sports channels. It's just shocking to see, and it's hard to it's hard to really believe that it actually happened yesterday. To be perfectly honest, that's how I feel about it anyway. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I, I I agree with what you said there. It's hard to add to it, really. Um, I think you're spot on with that. I think you say, you know, didn't quite, you know, make you feel ashamed of being connected with the club or all of that. But I think, 
like-minded, sane-minded um, Baggies fans will have felt ashamed as to how it ended up. And listen, we've all seen the rumours as to why it started out. We've all watched the videos online, which is pretty conclusive evidence, I would say, as to what was happening in that corner. Heard accounts from people who were sitting nearby as to what side. It doesn't take rocket science, scientists, does it, you know, to work out what sparked it off. Um, but you're right in that it's no excuse. I mean, the bottom line is, the bottom line is, away fans shouldn't be in the home end, um, and I suppose particularly on a fierce derby rivalry. And I mean, if if, if that's been allowed to happen, and if they are, you know, we're not saying that's for definite, but that's what the, like, the rumours and the accounts look like from videos we've seen. Um, if they are, they need to restrain themselves clearly and not be known. However, I agree with you entirely, Johnny, in that it it shouldn't it shouldn't justify like a herd reaction mob. Um, that that one alleged action of be it someone celebrating a goal in the wrong end or whatever really sparked it down there, um, you know, has sparked absolute chaos and mayhem. And look, those coming for you, Johnny, and saying that, I just think. Uh, and miles off it, a way wide of it here, and saying we've overreacted. Let's have it right. This game was paused for 40 minutes. You know, hundreds of police and security trying to deal with it. Yes, a handful of arrests, six, but there was so much trouble. Yeah, let's not kid ourselves. It could have been, you know, what could have happened there? Let's have a think about what could have actually yeah. happened there. Yeah. You know, it doesn't take much for someone to have a slip or fall and hit their head, does it? Let's be honest, doesn't or, you know, any any sort of disaster could have gone off. You know, when we see in the fans being we- the fan being wheeled away on a stretcher and the other head injury and the sights of a player going in there to um, you know, rescue his kids, realistically, move them away from danger, possible danger. Um, pretty harrowing stuff, really. And I think another thing worth mentioning, you know, down in that corner, Again, a high, high percentage of those not involved in it would have been um, fans there for the right reasons, you know, families, kids, elderly, yeah. females, you know, normal folk trying to enjoy the occasion. And they would have been terrified. We we read harrowing social media accounts of it, didn't we? Um, that yeah. we reported, like, yeah, only time I've been glad to come out with my kids unharmed and all that. Was it you that told me, Johnny, you'd seen people in tears no, outside I've seen that. Yeah, I've seen um, a couple of people in tears outside the ground afterwards. And, and yeah, like you say there, Coxie, it's, it's going to be a lot of things to look into. How those Wolves fans got those tickets, you know, why they were there, you know, the reaction from, you know, as we said, a small minor- or minority of Albion fans. But, you know, it wasn't just in that corner. I've seen videos of Wolves fans in the East Stand as well. Um, and then obviously there was that disorder in the, in the far corner as well. And, and I don't want to spend too long talking about this because we've seen all the accounts. We talked an awful lot about it yesterday. But what I hope is that, you know, the police and, and Albion and the FA identify those involved and, and they are sanctioned. But also Albion are going to face a sanction now, whether that's a fine. You know, there was yep. talk in the, in the press room yesterday that it could maybe open up a potential stadium ban for Albion. Um, whether that whether that is, is, well, is going to happen, I don't know. Well, that's a potential punishment at the end yeah. of the scale, isn't it? Um, yeah. You know, you'd, you'd imagine it might be unlikely to get to that point. But, um, you know, a fine's not great news, is it? Let's be honest. However much it is, tens of thousands or, or beyond, you would expect. Um, 
not, not good news. I, what I would say, I understand it's Derby Day and I understand the disdain between the sets of supporters. I understand the rivalry totally um, and the bitterness and I understand it was a long time and the tensions were really strained and high, weren't they? You know, Albion were losing, second goal goes in, games gone from their perspective. Um, it doesn't excuse any, of course it doesn't excuse anything. I'm, I'm just outlining factors here and um, it it didn't take much to light the blue touch paper, did it? Let's be honest. And that appears to have happened for, for that reason we mentioned, um, you know, from the video evidence we've seen. But it's just, I, I find it quite stark and, you know, maybe worrying that like one thing like that can spark such a, I'm not going to, you know, possibly use the word riot then, but it wasn't a riot. However, it, you know, it took, a lot of police, heavy police presence to calm that down and stop it from being one, didn't it? And it could have got even worse into that territory. And there's no excuse. Look, we know all about this you know, early kickoff to try and control the, the booze and everything else. And the pubs still open, opening at stupid o'clock in the morning, weren't they? Um, but people should still be able to behave respectfully, shouldn't they? And not look to get involved in trouble and get stuck into a pylon or... They should but, be. They should be. And there, there's, bl- there's blame being chucked around on social media. But one thing I will say, and, I, and we'll move on to talking about the football in a second, Coxie, but you take responsibility for your own behaviour, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. And we can and people can take aim at, at the, the, the stewards or the police or, or, you know, certain fans in certain sections. But as if you're a Wolves fan in the Albion end, and if you have got a ticket and you've done that, one, you shouldn't be there. And two, you keep quiet. And two, you know, Albion fans shouldn't have rushed over like they did. And you should, people, you can't, you can't legislate for people not taking responsibility for their own behaviour at the end of the day. Um, yeah, and, 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 and anybody arrested or, you know, found guilty of um, been involved in the wrongdoings or the trouble, you know, don't go crying when you get a, you know, a life stadium ban or yeah. whatever it is. It, you know, it might not be a life, but if it is, you know, unfortunately it's deserved really it and you might argue that it isn't and that you know your man next to you was doing the same and he's got away with it well that might just be bad luck and how the footage is but you know you just got to control yourselves because it, it it was terrible but it could have could have been much worse clearly um and yeah just feel for the normal families and folk fans you know we're all a part of and you know, we, we correspond with so much and young and old people of the community. You know, colleague Matt Mayer did a piece this morning, didn't he? He was at the game with us saying, um, you know, sort of suggesting it being a dark day for the community, really. And people looking on the West Mids, on the black country more specifically. Yeah. And that's the image we've given out. Yeah, that's quite sad, I think. Quite sad indeed, and we hope all the. Um, you know, I listened to accounts on the radio last night. When I was driving home of, of people who were sitting nearby, and I've spoken to a few fans who were actually nearby some of the trouble. And, and I hope everyone's um okay and uh, and got out all, all right. So um so yeah, there we go. We're not going to spend any more time talking about that. We're going to talk about the football. Unfortunately, Wolves' 27, 28 year run at the Hawthorns without a win did come to an end. Um, do you know what? When I was writing this list, Cox, I was trying to think of points from the game. I know Albion played quite well, but it all sort of ended up a bit hazy in the uh, the midst of uh, of everything that was going on. But just on the performance, Coxie, you know, I've seen mm-hmm. uh, seen various you know bits of analysis. You know, Albion went toe to toe with Wolves yesterday, really, and 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 for large parts were arguably the better team and had the better chances. But unfortunately, it was uh, I think the difference was the difference between the Championship and the and the Premier League. Almost Wolves were 
were clinical. Albion had the chances, but didn't take them. Yeah, I saw someone sort of summarise it actually very briefly in a nutshell. And I thought it hit the nail on the head. You know, we all know about Cunha and Neto being Wolves' best players. Not cheap, were they? You know, that's where Wolves are at the minute. That's where they're shopping. That's the riches they have to spend of the Premier League. You know, that front line carries a punch for a reason, doesn't it? And those that listen to this will know that we're both, uh, me especially, I'm a fan of Brandon Thomas Asante, but he cost 300 grand from the fourth division. That's you the know? difference. And, 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 and that's the difference. Uh, we're mentioning him because he was a centre forward that's playing and he's been the centre forward that's been available all season. Now, Albin have tried, despite the head coach having his hands tied behind his back, despite the ownership situation, to add to that, we've seen a lone strike come in the other day, haven't we? We saw one signed in the summer, got injured. DK, we all know what's happened there. So, but I've been trying to add to that. But yeah, that's where it is. That's what I've been have. That's what Wolves had to go with. And it pains me to say it, don't get me wrong, but went into it with fears about Cunha and Neto. And albeit, let's, let's be honest, we'll get into this, but... Uh, Arbin didn't half give him a leg up, did they, for that first goal, which is frustrating as it comes. Um, and I think you bang on, Johnny, in that I would say for the 80 minutes, you know, the, the real, I suppose, footy we count before the drama of the last 10 minutes. For, for the 80 minutes where um, Wolves went 2-0 up, obviously in the 78th minute, I think Albion were as good as, if not better than Wolves, in terms of more of the chances, better play, more of the play. I think that don't think I'm in bias there. I think, you know, certainly in the first half, real openings that I didn't take advantage of. Second half, less so, admittedly. But Brandon Thomas Asante spurned the best chance of the game when he lifted that over at 1-0. Arben had just got Tom Fellows on, just looked at it. And yes, a relatively simple ball over the top to Freed Cunha for the second goal, and that's game over, yes. But um, could have very easily been different, couldn't it? And I think if that wayward corner from Alex Mowat that doesn't find Jed Wallace that Matt Doherty breaks and, and feeds Neto for the goal. If that doesn't happen, if Albion play a different corner, yes, if and buts, but silly, wasn't it? Silly, realistically, I'm all for imagination. I don't know if that's exactly what they meant, but clearly went badly wrong. If that opening goal doesn't come the way it did, the Wolves probably don't score in the first half. You level at the break. I think it's a, it's a different game. And um, Albion can have a lot to be... I, I wrote it in my actual match analysis for, for this morning. I think Albion's performers, players, can mostly have a lot to be pleased with, proud of, really, in terms of how they competed against, uh, not an embarrassment of Premier League riches, but you know what I mean, an expensively yeah. assembled side of probably, um, well, definitely worth north of hundreds of million, you know, 100 million, or definitely. Um, be pleased with how they performed. Um, we, look, we know the issues in the final third and not making those moments count. And maybe that's where Albion are, maybe in the odd game they've been able to make it count leads and the the, the, the narrow wins they've had but Norwich away the week before we were sort of a similar pattern, about the same problems, similar pattern. Um, yeah I just wanted to sing like a couple of couple of people have played really well but just a, a, a bit of a sort of a tactical move that Corbrand took which I thought give Albion a little bit more of control in, in the middle of midfield I think when Albion were moving forward, they were almost in their, their normal, you know, their normal system that they play with two in front of the back four. But as soon as Albion lost the ball, they were a back five, okay, because we pushed right into the middle of the defence. And we know he's played there before, but we know how good he is on the ball. But we also saw him driving forward when Albion were forward. I thought he was absolutely everywhere yesterday. And I thought he was 
he was really terrific. And we can see, you know, I know Albion fans have, have, have seen it, that you know, there's been potential links with a move away in January. Fingers crossed nothing happens in the, in the final days of the window. But I thought he was I thought he was key yesterday. I thought he was one of Albion's best players. Yeah, yeah. We um, sort of gathered suggestions beforehand, didn't we? I think that um, that Okai could drop drop in a bit. It you know, might even be a permanent back five. But uh, it wasn't, was it? It was just out of possession, as you said, Johnny. And, I think, again, for large parts, Albion looked good. I agree about Kushlu. I thought that other than that wayward corner, I thought Alex Mowat was excellent. Really good. Yeah. Um, I thought Jed Wallace, you know, spoke before and after the game, didn't he? I thought he had Totti Gomez on toast, really, on that right flank. Um, certainly in the first half. Yeah, the Portuguese couldn't live with him. I think it's Portuguese, isn't it, Totti? Uh, couldn't, couldn't live with Wallace. Um yeah, so Swift, when got the ball, used it well. A couple of moments, he could have been a bit more aggressive, but um, having started so well, didn't they? Which is what the, what we wanted. And you wanted after 20, 25 minutes them to take and use that confidence of starting well. Look, Wolves, I think we're struggling in parts to deal with them, really. Our colleagues, our Wolves colleagues were saying that they, Wolves just had not settled. They hadn't got to grips with it. Didn't They didn't recognize this wolf side really um and that's all down to how alvin started and look it's the it's the decisive parts in the final third isn't it where you, you pay your big bucks for a striker who's going to make the difference and yeah but i, I think by and large you make a good point about okai he had a, a great game back line did bartley and kipra yes bartley ball over the top for the second goal and Cunha outpaces him and the, the offside is tight but it's not offside and can happen, can't it? It can happen. I thought otherwise they they were very good and look, Albin were pushing on with a high line. Um, the Griffiths Palmer thing very interesting, wasn't it? Don't think Griffiths did a whole lot wrong. Don't think he can be blamed. For that's the first just an, that's an interesting point. It's just I've just popped up. I haven't got it on the list, Coxie, but I've seen quite a number of Albin fans. You know, what one question of the decision, which I will I will admit before the game, me and you both thought it was maybe the wrong call. I think you go. I know Griffiths has played in the, the cup game previously. But I think if you go into a derby game, you've got to play your strongest side. Albion fans maybe, like you say, point and blame at him. Not blame at him, but said he could have done better with both the goals. I'm not so sure, really. thought he produced a really good save to stop um, to prevent a third goal from Cunha. Um, but I'm not, so, I'm not so sure we can lay any blame at his door, really, for the, the goals. The, the first, no. Um, I think Neto's done that incredibly clever finish where you've reversed it. It's yeah. gone. Legs, he's wrong-footed him almost. He's expecting it to go one way, isn't he? And, and as blindsided by that, yeah. Um, you would expect as keeper to go the other way. So your yeah, weight's on the other side. So so no. Heard suggestion for the second that, and I think I was, I'm trying to remember seeing it live in my own eyes that Griffiths was half in mind to come when that ball went over the top and then sort of stopped a bit. So was sort of found in the middle. Still came out and closed the angle best he could because Cunha was a little bit wide, wasn't he? And it's it's a good finish through his legs, isn't it? It's a good finish. Um, perhaps if Griffiths had committed to coming the whole way and not stopping, he might have met Cunha at close quarters and made it a, a tougher finish, perhaps. But look, he's had to decide in a very split second, hasn't he? Possibly thought he wasn't going to get there and he would have been found real no man's land. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't lay blame at his door for either. I agree with you before the game. I didn't didn't get it. Really, and that's not—it's nothing against Griffiths, especially. Really, I just think play your strongest team, play Alex Palmer, one of if not the division's best goalkeeper. Um, certainly, the stats say that. 
and yeah, big game. I, I get the cup keeper thing. I, I do understand that, but um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't blame Griffiths for anything. I think he uh, the third save was spectacular, albeit of a moot point because the game was, was obviously done by then. Um, but I'm struggling really to go through the eleven and the fellows when he came on being the, the one before the flurry of late subs. Say anyone was particularly yeah anyone was poor or didn't put it in or didn't play well really. I thought you know we had the debate all of last week about Chalaba didn't we and I thought he'd start and I know you thought fellows would be in and I can get it I'd have started fellows probably but Chalaba came in for that energy legs athleticism midfield. I thought he did well. I thought his runs off did the okay, yeah. forwards were okay. dangerous. Um, so yeah, just you know when, when you're the underdog. Uh, inverted common, um, inverted quotation marks. Sorry, and 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 you've got to make those moments count. The few you get, you've got to make. You've got to come half man. You've got to. You've got to take your chances when they come. Unfortunately, and not for the first time this season, it didn't happen. But I think Albion players can largely have their heads held high. And the key thing moving forward, which we'll get onto for Blues next weekend, is don't let it derail. Don't let momentum hit you. Regroup, rally together, and. The, the level of performance he showed and yeah, we know Corbin should have some players back available and um, don't let this kind of be a, a point of the season where things might unravel. It, it could happen. It's a challenge not to let that happen though because this was clearly a big old day, big old game, big old deal. Didn't go Albion's way. Got to brush it off and go again. Yeah, certainly. They just what a couple of final points. You mentioned Fellows there came off the bench. Thought he did really well again when he came off the bench. You know, I thought it was going to be a, you know, a test of we've seen him do it against Championship defences. Can he do it against Premier League defences and or Premier League fullbacks? And we saw, you know, I think he, he drifted on both flanks in that second half. You know, um, when he came on, and uh, I thought he was, thought it was class again. Um, and I just want to tie that in. Since the last time we've done a podcast, he signed his new deal, um, a new deal yeah. for Tom Fellows. Keep him out of the club. I know there was a lot of worries that he was going to get picked off. You know, either this month or in the summer, given the fact that he's out of contract in the summer, but penned a new deal. And, you know, if his stock continues to rise, I would very, be very surprised if he's still at Albion by the end of that deal. But what this does is it protects Albion. We've seen, how many times have we seen Albion lose players, young players, for, for nothing, for a pittance, you know, most times to Aston Villa, really. Um, but this protects Albion, but it's also, you know, Great for for fellows. Hopefully, he can continue his development at Albion because he's you know he's flying and he showed yesterday he can mix it with some of the best. I think he will continue developing because one of the reasons he'd have signed is on the not not promise not at all, but on the you know suggestion that he will be a regular. Yeah, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say key player, or you could make a strong argument for it now. But he's very, 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 very clearly in the first team picture, isn't he? And one of Look, we know that attackers are sort of few and far between and there aren't many options. Obviously, Grady's still out in Africa um, and injuries. So he, he's right there. And I'd be pretty amazed if he didn't start against Blues next time out. I understood why he didn't against Wolves. Um, I do, but I think he, he, he will and he has to start next time out. Massive threat. Blues away feels like where it started, actually. I remember him coming on that night um, and looking really sharp and we're like, oh, certainly he made me sit up and take note that night. I think that might have been his first sort of league cameo of the season. So, yeah, that's interesting little parallel. Um, but he's come on leaps and bounds. I think he will continue to under Corbran. He will offer him the opportunity. I think it's, it's, it's great news, isn't it? Considering where the club are, you know, regards confusion and sort of 
off the field issues where hands are tired, certainly financially, there's not much I can do to to have made that work is is key because it would have been a it would have been a real, real serious disappointment had he not been able to sign anything and he'd been offloaded to to whoever because he had his suitors, didn't he? Clearly top flight um for relative pittance. So it strengthens Albin's position, doesn't it? Like like you say. Uh, I think there's a fair chance, perhaps depending on what division Albion are in, interest returns in the summer. OK, we'll have to see how he does for the remainder of the season. Hopefully he does well, as well as he has been. I said there's a fair chance interest returns, or he's retained and returns. And um, Albion might have their resolve tested, but they'd be able to command a significant fee now because of this contract. And that's that's important, isn't it? They, uh, they, they wouldn't want to sell him, I'm sure, but and, and we hope. The finance, and we anticipate and expect the financial situation come the summer to be different than it than it is now. You know, ongoing takeover. We expect um, to go through to go through by then, clearly. Um, so, so yeah. But it's it, it's massive news for the player as well, and and the club. And you're right. There's been so many slip through the net, hasn't there? So many you see up and down the, the football league, um, still at Premier League clubs, as you say, Johnny, or youth levels, or you know, sparkling at their own different levels. And yeah, not all would have made it at Albion, but to, to lose them for relative pittance or nothing is so frustrating when the club continue to produce, isn't it? But in fellows, it feels like the brightest for a good while. And certainly the one that's emerged on the scene and playing. I mean, you, you, you'll know more context and have seen historically more than me, Johnny, but in terms of a significant run of games now and, Pierce team. When, when would the last one have been that's done as well as this? I, I don't know. Uh, I think it's a while ago. I think we talked in certainly in terms of attacking player. You know, I, I know we've said Sido before. We've said Sido in terms of attacking player, but yeah, they, they, they have been been few and far between. I want to come on to talking about another youngster who we haven't seen yet, who was at the ground yesterday. Um, I have seen, and he will be in line yeah. for his debut on Saturday against Birmingham City. It's Callum Marshall. Uh, this one's sort of come out of nowhere, really. Someone who's been uh, been pulling up trees. Um, in the youth team at West Ham, signed for West Ham from Linfield back in 2022. Um, he's already made his debut for Northern Ireland. Um, and I'm just going to read you some stats here. That is uh, his goal record. He made an immediate impact when he signed for West Ham, went into their under-18s, scored nine goals in 16 games, continued that form into last season, which scored 23 goals in 24 matches in all competitions um, as West Ham lifted a... Uh, lifted a title, an FA Youth Cup double, um, and he scored four goals in the, youth, in the FA Youth Cup. Um, one in the final, and he's also already appeared for, as we said, Northern Ireland. Um, almost got himself on the score sheet in uh, in June last year, but his goal was chalked off by VAR. Um, couldn't play on Sunday because he'd, he'd already played for West Ham in the in the FA Cup, and he's been appearing in the EFL Trophy for West Ham as well. So, Coxie don't know an awful lot about him apart from those pretty pretty uh, sparkling stats we've heard there. But someone who's coming in, a youngster, you know, the last. The last young talent we never heard of that come from West Ham didn't do too badly on his, in his loan spell, did he? But hopefully he can follow in the footsteps of, uh, of Grady Diangana. But, you know, a much-needed body through the door and someone who's obviously, you know, from the reaction we've seen from, from West Ham, people at West Ham, you know, someone's got a very promising future and hopefully Albion can get a really good six months out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Just quickly, run about uh, players through the academy when we're talking about fellows there. Um, and I didn't cover Albion this season, so correct me if I'm wrong, Johnny. I know you weren't on the beat either then. But um, in terms of games played, maybe Nathan Ferguson? 
Potentially Dara season. as well. He, Dara he, as well he was a regular, well. wasn't he? I mean, yeah, you've I got just Dara had a look that season. Sense. He played 21 league games. You know, I'm, I'm sure many with starts. Obviously, got his move and has been absolutely awfully um, dealt with with injuries since. Clearly, but um, obviously, he was uh, rightly hailed coming through, wasn't he? As an exciting talent. But yeah, in, in terms of attackers, fellows. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, you've read a brief sort of bio, really. Of, Callum Marshall, I suppose, there, Johnny. And, and you're right, one sort of arose out of next to nothing, I suppose. And it does it make you wonder what Carlos is thinking for the remainder of the window, what what he feels he still needs and what Albion can do financially. Um, I'm excited by what I've read about him and his goal record, um, what I've heard about him as a player, though I do this week plan to speak to more people about him, clearly, because uh, we're otherwise engaged over the weekend, weren't we? Um so yeah, his his record, albeit big caveat at youth level, speaks for itself. Um, yeah, clearly a goal one, scorer. That's the one point, isn't it? Left footed, I believe. I've I've read left footed. No, I haven't seen him myself, so I can't sort of corroborate that. But uh, yeah, left footed. I think I also read he, he's sort of a natural number nine striker, but he has been known to play wide as well. So that's. Interesting. Um, the fact he's a lefty is interesting. Adds that sort of bit of balance, doesn't it? Um, boy knows where the net is. Seriously, and and West Ham's academy is not to be sniffed at, is it? We we know this. Um, the unknown is how he's going to handle senior football. The real three points on the line. The real rough and tumble. But he signed a new deal with West Ham and then came out on loan, didn't he? If he's going to have the career and future West Ham want him to have, and clearly they have high hopes for him. He, He's going to have to come to the championship where Albion are near the top end and prove he's got it about him. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because, well, you know, if everyone's fit, is he near the starting lineup? We don't know yet, is the honest answer. Um, Andy Ryman is also in this conversation, clearly, the other loney, who we've so far only seen for 45 minutes, but from the left. That in itself is interesting. Um, I'd expect Marshall to be more of a striker. Now, we know Madge is out for most, if not all, of the season. DK. <laughs> I mean, what a shame him being made available, unavailable for, for excuse me, for last Sunday. We're yet to sort of, we were told it was nothing. Don't know if he'll be back for Blues, obviously, until Carlos addresses the media later in the week. We'll see. Um, the hope is it wasn't anything major and it'll be OK. But these setbacks were always likely, weren't they? So maybe no surprise Corbyn's moved to add another striking option. But we kind of expected Vyman to be in and around that department, I think. I was so certainly surprised. I was certainly taken we, aback by by the fact that they have gone out and signed another strike, which is a good sign. And I think, you know, from what Carlos has said, you know, he still wants another midfield, central midfielder because yeah, of what's well, happened yeah, with Jason Malumbi. We, we, we expected an out-and-out natural winger, didn't we? That, that was one he was quite open with, losing Phillips and Sarmiento going back, losing uh, Dean Garner for, for age. Obviously, he'll come back at some point. But that hasn't happened yet. Obviously, we've seen Ryman play from the left, but it's not his main position. I've heard... Um, as far as I understand, the winger chase could still be on. That's that's what I've what I'm hearing as of now, which is interesting in itself. I, I'm hearing that the interest is still out there on on wingers. Um, so watch this space. And yeah, he he said to me on a couple of occasions since the Malumbi news, a centre midfielder. So two in already. Scope for two more. I mean, that's that's the noises I'm hearing. That's what the head coach is putting out there. That would be a surprise. Um, certainly from at the start of the month, we sort of expected two. Um, 
the, the midfield thing, I suppose, happened. So maybe three, but more than that, highly unlikely. We were wondering if we could, the club could make three work, weren't we? Um, so yeah, what, what are we on? Two day, when, when's deadline day? Thursday, isn't it? First um, of February now, for some reason. Don't really know yeah, why. So that's that's going to be uh, fun and games, isn't it? As usual. <laughs> Just in terms of in the window, Cox. In terms of out, um, I know there's been sort of concern from Albion fans. You know, throughout the window, we saw it with Fellows because you know he hadn't signed a new contract. That sort of concern has quelled a little bit now. Um, but there has been reported interest in, in other Albion players. We, we saw last week that um, Luton reportedly interested in Kyle Bartley, someone whose contract again is is up in the summer. Um, and there's been some sort of loose reports in Turkey regarding the future of Okay Kuslu and, and clubs potentially snipping around around him. Are we expecting? You know, we saw in the summer. As the window came to a close, given Albion's financial situation, sort of the vultures, if you want to say, started circling and they fielded bids from players and, and managed to keep, uh, sorry, bids from clubs for their key players, but managed to keep hold of them. Do you expect that might be the case in the in the in the coming days? Yeah, I could I, I could see it happening, or certainly attempts from other clubs, as you say, Johnny. Sometimes, it sort of breaks out into the the media and leaked out. Sometimes to stay under wraps, but yeah, I'd, I'd imagine clubs will look to take advantage. Albion have got assets, talents who have played well this season, and clubs will be aware of the, you know, Albion's situation and look really to take advantage. That's just how it works. That's how it's worked the last few windows. Um, I think the way Albion will approach it is just deem what the, uh, as they've kind of, uh, as we've understood over the last maybe year or so, um, whenever the bids come, really after. You know, they, they may be immediately rejected out of hand if it's deemed to be nowhere near. The valuation will be taken for granted, but if it's a deal that they think is is doable and close to value and works for the parties, they'll have to look at it. That's that's where it is. Um, they've always sort of stressed, as far as we know, that anybody that goes out will the funds will, however the club can work it, be used as a replacement, be it as you know loan wage cover or anything like that. So. There is that. Carlos Corbin won't want to lose any of his key players. He'll be aware. Look, it's a, a possibility. You never know things you can't control, but you clearly won't want that to happen. However, and we've already seen two through the door, haven't we? And if we spoke about possibly stealing for a winger and a central midfielder, so there are still plans afoot. Um, they will have plans if interest in player X is firmed up and becomes a reality. The Bartley-Luton thing was sort of surprising, wasn't it, out of the blue? I mean, you know, perhaps Luton preparing for a coming down, maybe, and a promotion push from the champ next year. Bartley out of contract, as you say, Johnny Luton, probably looking at something what they would deem cut price for an experienced defender who's someone dominant in terms of airily experience that I think the Luton backline lacks. Um, where that was last week, as far as I understood, it wasn't formalised or there wasn't, you know... Um, official bids in or anything like that talks so it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if if the interest was genuine I don't know if that's just sort of agent pushy trying to trying to drive it on the the Okai thing yeah I looked into that I saw suggestions from uh, reporters in Turkey that that in Albion and that basically wasn't moving this window despite the interest in him I think from tribes on sport possibly who are a, a big outfit in Turkey now look I think every chance that re-emerges in the summer can't speak for Okai. I know he's no, he's happy at Albion from from what I've heard. However, look, 
he may fancy a career in his homeland, mightn't he? But we don't understand that family, all of that. Or you know, should Albion go up? Who knows? He might fancy another crack at the top flight. Um, but he's under contract, isn't he? Especially for um, don't know the exact expiry on his deal off the top of my head, but Albion are at least secured in terms of an offer for him. But I think back to your overall question, Johnny. I think clubs will try. Um, and Albion's resolve will be tested, as we reported at the start of the month. And it's an interesting time for the club to see now where are we with these players and what what do we expect in terms of valuation for these players. And um, yeah, it's, if you to ask me now, who do you see going by the end of the month? I mean, I wouldn't want you to ask me that, even though I've just asked it myself, because it's it's hard to say. Um, it's hard to know. And I think in an idea, Say in an ideal world, they wouldn't want to lose any key players, but maybe in an ideal world, there's a sale they can make that's healthy and profitable for the club, perhaps. We all know the financial situation. Um, let's see. It's um, it was interesting. Josh Griffiths played yesterday, wasn't it? And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not making a big leap there in terms of him being in the shop window or anything like that. He's the cup keeper. Carlos Corbin's made that clear, but he's warranted interest before, hasn't he, Griffiths? Um, certainly in the public sphere and clearly not part of the you know, regular starting 11. So the, there is that. Um, there's been reported interest in, in other players over the months, years. So I have to see if they're sort of formally or heavily delivered on and followed up on, I guess. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. It's, uh, hopefully it's might be a, a busy day in terms of Incomings, um, but hopefully not in terms of outgoings. Right, time for an advert. As always, the Baggies broadcast is sponsored by the Kettle and Toaster Man, your graded product specialist over on Thorns Road in Brawley Hill. And as always, we will tell you about some fantastic products they've got at unbelievable prices, from toasters to ovens, floor care, grooming products, which if you saw this video, we'll see some clips on Twitter. You'll probably see that I could probably do with a few of these at the moment. Um, certainly need a shave anyway. Um, Hoover's bins. You know, and of course, kettles and toasters and just they've, they've got everything down there. Um, they've also got a superb range of air fryers. Another thing I could do is really one of the baskets in mine's bust at the moment. So I might have to go down and see Mr. Kettle, the toaster man, who will probably be celebrating this week because he is a he's a Wolves fan. Um, you can get your hands on a salted jewel basket air fryer for as little as £75. And they're not the only products they've got. They've got a range of products, great brands too. They've got Russell Hobbs, Salter, Kenwood, Beldre, Hoover, Hot, hot Pot, hot, sorry, Hot Point, um, and a, <laughs> a massive um, range of all the all the top brands down at the Kellen Toaster Man. So if you're interested, head along to Thorns Road in Bradley Hill, or if you want to have a bit of a browse from the comfort of your own sofa, head to thekellentoasterman.co.uk. Right. Um, just before we go on to questions, just a few um, few little bits, bits of news, really. I want to read out some positive stuff, but... But also some negative stuff. Um, Albion fans would have seen last week, um, former Albion keeper Russell Holt um, has been diagnosed with a chronic liver condition. Um, there was a tweet put out by the former Players Association who were, who were helping the, uh, the former Albion goalie, who's, who's 51, made 230 appearances for Albion between 2001 and 2007 and was a two-time promotion winner. I just want to wish him all the best. Well, wish uh, Holt and his, his family all the best. Just another point as well that we had. Um, Albion fans would have seen Grady Dean Garner on the score sheet in the African Cup of Nations uh, this weekend. Scored a, a decisive penalty in the in DR Congo's um, spot kick win over Egypt. They're into the quarterfinals, as are Nigeria and Semi Ajayi. Played a full 90 minutes as Nigeria beat Cameroon to reach the last eight of the African Cup of Nations. So they won't be coming back um, 
just yet from AFCON, uh, but wish them all the best in the, the last eight of the competition. Right, time for some questions, um, as expected. Some of them are about the uh, the scenes on Sunday, but I'm going to start with... Well, so I'll just read this question out, but we've probably answered already. Mark Davis, a regular listener, any movement in and out before the transfer window closes? We've talked about that. Um, Luke Sylvester's asked, can we get an update on the takeover? Um, obviously, the takeover tour. We've seen various um, developments over recent weeks, which we've talked about, Cox. But what's the, what, what's the latest position at the moment, as far as you understand it? Yeah. Um, well, we hope to... We, we're working on one, and we hope to bring one as soon as possible. Um if I had one to give in the here and now, it'd be written in the uh, column inches of the ENS and on our website rather than delivered in answer to a question on here, because clearly we're all aware it's all any Albion fan wants. Um, so, yeah, that's your space. But we're, we're, we're working and we have been for a while because, as I've said before, it's not an easy thing to bring um, on bringing an update and hope to soon. So, yeah. Yeah, I've got a question here from, from Richard Downing, probably a difficult one to ask, but he says, was the Tom Fellows new contract influenced by potential new owners? Um, and if not, how is it financed? I think I know where this is cut. I think there was a story, maybe in the national press, uh, before he signed his contract, about interest in him. Um, and it had claimed in there that a potential new owner, had, 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 they sort of indicated they wanted to keep him at the club. But it's quite a difficult question to answer, I imagine, Richard, at the moment. Um, but if Albie yeah, I'm, say, not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm personally not sure about that I can see that, um, to be honest. What I would say is, yeah, while it's a yeah, first, he had a pro deal, didn't he, as a, as a youngster, first pro deal, and now this is a clearly a more significant deal, lengthy one, and will be on yeah, significantly better terms, you'd imagine. I, I, I realise Albion's string is very short at the moment in terms of the budget and all that, but... Yeah, I think for exceptions for cases like this, in terms of the club securing themselves, that they, they will still be able to make it happen. Um, you know, without putting the club at risk. I don't think it'd be breaking the bank. It wouldn't be handing out a fifty grand a week contract, um, just enough to strengthen the club's hand, essentially. Cheers for your question, Richard. Uh, Ruben Thompson's got in touch. Um, how much do you estimate the fixture earned West Brom yesterday and the size of the potential fine that could come our way? Not too sure about what it would have earned Albion yesterday but I think it's anyone's guess what the fine could be to be honest Coxie if it is a fine but I imagine it'll be substantial um, given the scenes that we saw yesterday Yeah um, just having a look as I meant to uh, have a read up about that this morning uh, Ruben was it that asked um, although we've had a bit of a busy morning with other things unfortunately Um, I gather prize money sorry not prize money I gather broadcast money for the game, obviously being on ITV earlier in the season for earlier rounds was nearing a hundred grand. Um, so whether that's fixed or goes up per round, I'm not sure, but you can look at, I think I've just read 85 grand. It was, uh, for televised for the third round. So the round before, um, now that's shared. Um, I believe I, or I believe it's sorry, not shared. That's each to each club. Um, I gather obviously, ticket sales and a percent goes to the opposition doesn't it in the FA Cup that's competition rules of ticket sales um so that would be into what six figures however obviously prize money made in the previous round um no prize money in this one there'd probably be a losing fee 
for teams that lose and exit the competition. Um, however, you know, we're talking about that, and then we're talking about the fines, aren't we? And you know, we're all estimating fines at the moment, or guessing out of thin air, really. But I can't imagine that it will be sort of nominal or a small fig, a small figure. This fine, the, the scenes were massively unacceptable. Um, everyone can agree on that, and I think and expect the um, FA will want to come down on it heavily because it was. It, it, I'm not going to say it was unprecedented or anything like that, but it was a significant issue, wasn't it? A, a suspension of that long, obviously causing the broadcast channel issues. Um, I think the, the governing bodies are going to be heavy-handed with it. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'll be playing a guessing game in terms of fines, but yeah, and the money left over from what's made from broadcast and all of that, yeah, pretty, pretty small margins. I, I, I would estimate, and it's a shame that. Yeah, thank you very much for your question. Uh, Jess Ackwood, it's not a question, but uh, more of a statement on a lighter note. At least we don't have to worry about the playoff final and the FA Cup final being on the same weekend. Um, every cloud, Jess, every cloud. Um, Sonal Patel, uh, why are we so poor on corners, both in threatening ourselves and leaving us uh, open on the counter? We have good set play takers and decent height, and aside struggling for goals and without a fit, proper striker, should we not be focusing more? on these to get goals it's a really good point you know and the the debate will rage about being hit on the counter i think i, I was going to reference this earlier in the podcast because we talked all week about how good wolves were going to be on the counter attack and how devastating they can be and it's just such a shame that we basically gifted them a goal on the counter and it was well taken by neto um but sano makes a really good point there you know albert i don't think albert's will nowhere near enough from, from set pieces um yeah they don't i don't think i've been utilized what they've you know they've got People are really good in the air. Kipper and Bartley, you know, we've seen Bartley score from set pieces before. Um, people who can get on the end of these these corners and, and set pieces. And yeah, I don't think we're good enough in either department. I think Sano's right. Yeah, now, um, something reference from Jed Wallace to, to us after the game. I, I think from Carlos Corbran as well. Um, just a situation, I think Wallace said to us, we were doing a, a breakout player interview after the game. And um, he referenced Leicester, which is the one that stands out. The Huddersfield game as well. The other defeats here happening on the counter from dead balls, long throws, and now, now that corner. But as I said before, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I've been a really... They, they look at everything to the nth degree. You know, they're, they're so invested in the details and the small percents. I know Heffler, the first team coach, is involved in set-piece details. Um, Dami, uh, Damia, Abella... Um, if I fudge that pronunciation, sorry, the uh, statistical analysis um, is involved in how set pieces are defended, I think, attacked. So a lot goes into it from individuals, not just Corbran. And we often see small, short routines, don't we? If they come off, they're genius. But that one really didn't, did it? They, they tried something. I'm not, as I said earlier, I'm not sure if Moet got it wrong and just dragged it or, you know, it was just totally inaccurate. But yeah, on the transition, it was just, I mean, Townsend and Swift appeared to be deepest, didn't they? With others trying to get back, and I don't know. It, it, it's Neto, isn't it? He's he's one of the Premier League's best. That's hard to say. Townsend should have showed him down the line, really, shouldn't he? Onto his weaker right foot, rather than letting him cut inside. Can Swift then do more with the challenge that Neto gets through before shooting? Maybe, but look, from ten seconds on from your own corner, it's a goal Albin shouldn't concede, and that's the bottom line. Yeah, that is the bottom line. Um, couple and, and you're right about not doing enough from attacking corners, you know, not yeah. scoring in, uh, enough goals as, as Albin should with Bartley, Kipra, you know, Yukushlu, others. 
Yeah, I think it is a threat that the album should be used more. Uh, but it's a really good question. Thanks for your question, Sunil. Um, trying to lighten note, Kieran, Gib- Kieran Gibson has said, on a lighter note, how was the breakfast in the media room today? It was, yeah, it was pretty good, to be honest, Kieran. Best part of the day, to be, to be fair. Um, <laughs> Carl Burkett's got in touch with the other question. Even though we were, sorry, even though we more than matched Wolves in the game, I felt we were exposed and I left. Not blaming Conor Townsend at all, just the fact that we didn't have reach Phillips, Grady, or any left-sided players to back up Connor. Um, do you think this will be addressed in the in the transfer window? Um, I think if we're going to get a winger and a, and a midfielder at best, I, I can't see that being being sorted out. To be honest, Coxie, but it's a good point. I thought I'll be worried on that side yesterday. Yeah, he's, he's, as we said, he's, I, I believe he's in for a winger. Um, probably one to play on the left. You'd imagine, being as Wallace and Fellows are at the club. Um, I think when you sign a winger, you don't necessarily don't sign him for the defensive now, steer that, that Phillips brings, or that you know you want someone who can cause problems going forward. Clearly, they'll be tasked with helping out Townsend. And as we touched on there, yeah, you know, Swift Swift was the one slightly left, was he? How did they line up, Johnny? My mind's going hazy. Um, in terms of from the left, we had Wallace one side was Swift as a ten, or did they? I don't know. Um, generally, Swift operates from the left side, doesn't he? Or we have seen in this season. Yeah, it's very fluid, isn't it? I think in the second half uh, as well, we saw we saw Swift go out a lot. Wide, sort of Wallace played a little yeah. bit more down the middle in the second half. Um, I think t- t- typically Townsend doesn't probably get the cover that Furlong does, having Wallace in front of him. Um, I know they, sw- they swapped. Wallace can go on both flanks. But um, I think Townsend's probably missed that since Furlong's omission. I think that's probably a fair thing to say. Um, look, that that counter mentioned from the corner where Neto goes free and Townsend should show him down the other foot. So I, I think that that was clearly a, a big moment, but I don't think, to my memory, only really happened once. I don't. I don't think they they sort of targeted Townsend and got in time and time again. I mean, it was a regular issue throughout, but it was a decisive issue. However, it happened on the breakaway, didn't it? And it, it shouldn't have allowed to to happen on the breakaway. You know, can Matt Doherty be? stopped earlier on when he's intercepting the ball on the edge of his own box. Watch the replay, see Wallace trying to get back. It's Wolves operate quickly, don't they? When you've got players of that calibre, they can move it quickly and it went against Albion, didn't it, I suppose? Yeah, that's uh, it's right. It's a good point from Carl. Carl, thank you very much for your, your question. We're almost almost out of time. Um, just as we're on now, there's been a couple of sort of breaking stories. Former Albion man Dan Moore's lost his job at Huddersfield. Yeah. Um, wish Big Dave all the best. Um, and that's probably expected, just seeing the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak weighing into the Black Country Derby um, debate, um, which I'm sure you can read all about um, on the Express and Star uh, website. But we're going to wrap up. We're going to wrap up by talking about Birmingham. I don't want to go back on to talking about it yesterday. We'll talk about Birmingham. Uh, and the return of Tony Mowbray. Obviously, he's been back to the Hawthorns as a manager before with Sunderland, but he brings uh, brings one of the neighbours this weekend in, uh, in Birmingham City. Um, I think they lost on Saturday but in the FA Cup, but the, he got him off to a... A pretty good start, so it's going to be a tough test for for Albion this weekend, Coxie. But you know, I'd like to think if Albion put a performance in like they did against Wolves, could maybe take a couple of their chances. I think they hopefully have too much for Blues. Yeah, big game, and not just because it's Blues and and Mowbray, just big game getting back on the getting back on the horse. It really is, you know, refocusing. Good that it's a good occasion. I think. I think Jed Wallace said that to me again. Um, home, decent. Crowd sort of atmosphere you'd hope because of the locality of it, Blues. Um, but really important, 
you're right. I mean, they look they 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 are clearly and will be in a much better place now. They've got you know Mowbray, top operator at the helm. Obviously, what went before didn't work. We all know that. And we've seen Mowbray Sunderland and come come to the Hawthorns and be a problem. You know, Carlos Corbran has a lot of respect for him, and clearly there'll be a lot of respect in the stadium for him. But it's just an important game for Albion in the context of getting back to the bread and butter and ensuring that a rare home defeat isn't doubled to, to back-to-back home defeats. And that that would feel unlikely, wouldn't it, with, with Albion's record? But they, they need to really ram home this home advantage, home record that they have built up because things are rocky away, aren't they? We know that. Um, following game is Ipswich away, isn't it? The, the following Saturday. And that's, that I know Maidstone managed to win there, but that'll be one of the more difficult tests of the give, season. Give, so, give, give yeah. George Alacobia a ring. The Wolves man, yeah, get a, get a low down on how he, how he know, The it. margins are fine, aren't they? We know Albion have been fifth for months, but very fine um, in terms of that that gap, the the chasing pack, all strengthening in the market. With, oh, I mean, Watford signing Dennis, you know, Emmanuel Dennis, and the caliber of the additions others have been able to make while Albion are kind of watching on, mostly hampered in the window with more affordable loans. It's tough. It's tough and um, yeah, it's a big game uh, just to keep, you know, the, the spirits of the fans, I'm sure, took a bit of a battering yesterday for for a multitude of reasons, really. And just to get everyone back sort of in the mood, heading in the right direction and, and just to give confidence a little bit of a shot in the arm again, probably to the players as well. Certainly, I think for the, for the fan base, the Hawthorns, faithful, um, it's a big occasion. And yeah, hopefully we're seeing Albion come out on the right side of it. Hopefully, I'm going to have a prediction off you as well, Coxie. Which way are you going to go? Yeah, just just quickly, I think it's worth mentioning, Johnny. The two loans will be available, won't they? they Andy will be. and Callum Marshall they for will debut. Be. DK, we don't know. Suppose there's a chance. Wouldn't be from the off, would it? So clearly from the bench. Um, Grady and Chemi Ajayi's advancement in the Afcon that you mentioned means they will not feature. They both play Friday night in the Ivory Coast in their quarterfinals. Others are expected to remain out, isn't it? So it's just the two loans and possibly DK at best. Um, set to come back and strengthen. Corbrand sort of armoury. Prediction? Um, whew, I haven't even begin to think about it yet. I'll say 1-0 Albion. 1-0 home. 1-0 home. I'll Yourself? go 2-1. I'm back in Albion. 2-1. 2-1. 2-1. as always, mate, thank you very much for your time. Um, Thanks, Johnny. Another pod, pod today. Uh, you know, losing to the rivals is always pretty pretty difficult to take. But couple that with the scenes we saw on Sunday, it was a made it for a pretty pretty bad day for for Albion. Uh, but thanks thanks all you Baggies fans for listening. As always, have a great week. And until next time, from me and from Coxie, boing boing, boing boing. <laughs>